Hello and welcome to part two in a series of videos that I'm putting out this week where I break down all the fights taking place this weekend at UFC on ESPN Plus 13 from a betting perspective. Now I've already covered three fights on this card including the main event between Jermaine Durandamay and Aspen Lad, and you can find that fight and a couple of others in part one of this video. I'll leave a link to that in the description below. And I also want to say a big, big, big thank you to everyone that has subscribed to the channel and liked uh, part one of this video. Please also like this video. And we've already hit 2,000 subscribers on this channel after only being up and running after about four months. So to say thank you, to show my appreciation to all you guys, I will be doing a live stream on Saturday where I go through all the prop bets taking place this weekend uh, and try and find a decent value prop for each of the fights. So if you don't know what a prop bet is, a prop bet is just a highly specific bet. So for example, random A wins inside the distance would be a prop. So we will do that on Saturday as a big, big, big thank you uh, for all the subscribers and a big thank you to you for subscribing and liking all the videos. I really, really appreciate it. And this has been the busiest week in MMA uh, I can ever remember, to be honest. And it just goes to show that the, the sport is growing. On Tuesday night, we had uh, Dana White's Contender Series. Tonight, which is Thursday, we've got PFL. Tomorrow night, we've got Bellator. And then Saturday night, we've got UFC. So a massively, massively, massively busy week for MMA. Uh, it's really annoying that all these events are taking place in the same week because there's only so many hours in the day. And I wish that I could research all these fights, but it's just impossible. Possible. There's just not enough time. I wish I could clone myself. And another frustrating thing is on this week's Contender Series and PFL card, there looked like there would be a few decent betting opportunities, but the way that my workflow is or my workload is I can just about research a UFC card and then one other smaller promotion and this week I've got to prioritize researching Bellator because of course we can live bet Bellator so it would make more sense for me to research Bellator than the contender series or PFL so I've prioritized research on uh, on Bellator haven't been able to touch PFL or the contender series which is really annoying because last year I did make a very very nice profit betting the contender series and the pfl when the events are a little better spread out so very frustrating i'm hoping that the next few events or, or the next contender series and pfl um is on a, a on a quieter week for mma so i can get stuck into them but yeah definitely wish i could clone myself because right now there are just not enough hours in the day to get through all these fights but I have gone through another three fights on this UFC card, which I'm going to talk about today. And a couple of the fights I think people are really interested in. So let's take a deep dive into uh, into the first fight that I want to talk about, which is going to be Josh Emmett against Mursad Bektik. Now, last time uh, Josh Emmett fought Michael Johnson, if you remember when I broke that fight down in one of my previous videos, we were talking in a lot of depth about how very bad uh, knockouts can change a fighter forever they can affect their confidence level they can affect their fighting style uh, and they can also affect their ability to take a punch and Josh Emmett suffered an absolutely devastating KO against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, the KO was just over a year ago now. He suffered, as you can see here in this article, horrific uh, orbital injuries. And, uh, and basically had to have facial reconstructive surgery uh, to try and put his face back together. And, and I think it was something crazy, like he was a centimetre from one of the bones uh, in his skull actually puncturing his eyeball. And he would have lost sight in his eye. So very, very lucky. And, uh, and, and a bad KO loss like this can affect the fighter forever. Sometimes, you know, fighters are a beast 
and they can just shake these KOs off and come back stronger. It doesn't affect them at all. But a lot of the time, when a fighter takes a lot of damage and suffers a really bad KO, they will never be the same again. And I think we kind of saw that in Josh Emmett's last fight against Michael Johnson. You know, he was brutally KO'd against Jeremy Stevens. And in his fight against Michael Johnson, he was definitely a little bit more gun-shy than usual. Definitely not as aggressive as usual. But then after being down two rounds going into the third round and needing a finish, he managed to catch uh, a flash KO out of nowhere uh, and win the, f the fight with 46 seconds left to go, which was heartbreaking for me because I had quite a big live bet on Michael Johnson at around about even money. So when that big overhand right landed, uh, it was heartbreaking. So... Josh Emmett, definitely one of those guys that was affected by a very bad KO. But it will be interesting to see if he's back to his best in this fight against Bechtick. Uh, because he may have got some confidence back after pulling off that win against Michael Johnson. Or will Emmett be one of those fighters that is changed forever and they're just not as aggressive uh, as usual. Or, 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 or a little more gun-shy than usual because of course... Going through that injury, uh, going through that knockout, having to have all the surgery after in the rehabilitation, it's going to affect your confidence. Not you're not going to want to have to go through that again. And remember, if ever you uh, put yourself in a position to finish your opponent, you are also putting your, yourself in a position for them to finish you because you have to put yourself in a lot of danger to land on them in a position where they could land back with a big counter. And uh, and and we've seen that from Emmett. You know, he's one of these guys that lives and dies by the sword. Sits down very hard on his punches uh you know plants his feet and and just exchanges bombs and and you know sometimes he's he's on the receiving end like he was against stevens on other times he's the beneficiary and lands a vicious ko like he did against ricardo lamas it's the nature of the beast you win some you lose some so on that note that's what makes this quite a complicated and tricky fight for betting because Emmett does put himself in a position to be finished and he is devastating with the finish. He's also quite reckless. A guy like Emmett has always got a shot of winning just because of how dangerous they are. Uh, but at the same time, um, risky to bet on them because they do put themselves in a lot of danger as well. And it is also worth noting just to tick the list so that we don't you know, get people leaving comments saying, oh, you know, what about Bechtick's KO loss against Darren Elkins? Yes, it is also true. Uh, relatively recently, or it feels recent, he was actually over two years ago, but Bechtick did suffer a very bad KO against Darren Elkins, but seems to have recovered okay, uh, looked alright in his last two fights since then, so, you know, I'm sure that the knockout loss did affect Bechtick in some way, but certainly uh, there aren't as clear signs that they've affected him, uh, like there were clear signs that Emmett was affected in his last fight against Michael Johnson. So, we don't know if Emmett's going to get his confidence back after that fight, but because of that, we have to assume that the version of Emmett we see on Saturday night is probably going to look similar to uh, what we what what we see uh, seen for him against Michael Johnson. Because you can't just turn confidence on and off like that; it's not easy. Um, so, what I would say is both these guys are quite reckless. Uh, Beckdick has no problem. You know, sitting down very hard on his shots and exchanging bombs. Neither does Emmett. They're both uh, both very aggressive guys. They uh, they both absolutely uh, do not mind to get stuck into a war and, and throw down. So um, both guys are at risk of being knocked out. Both guys will put themselves in a lot of danger. What I would say though is that Emmett is a lot more dangerous. Bechtick not really known for his knockout power. I mean this. 
this uh, finish with strikes was very strange here uh, as you can see um, you know, in the UFC, since he made his UFC debut against Chaz Skelly, he's only really got one win by knockout in his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights in the UFC. So it doesn't really carry too much power in, in his hands, but he's got no problem sitting down hard on his shots and exchanging bombs. And obviously, if you do that against a guy like Josh Emmett that thrives in boxing range, that looks to land those big bombs in that range, you know, it, it could end badly for you. And I've noticed the back does have a very specific weakness that I do think Josh Emmett can capitalize on. If you go back and watch Bechtick's fights, you'll see that obviously he's primarily a grappler, but his takedown entries are... Um, he kind of uses the same technique to enter into takedowns and set up his takedowns a lot of the time. What you'll see Bechtick do is come forward, uh, throw in an aggressive three-strike combo with his chin up high and exposed. And then once he's got his opponent thinking about you know the hands exchanging, blocking, covering up or firing back, uh, he'll then duck under change levels and go for a takedown. It's very effective, but... There is a window of opportunity where he's coming forward with those combos to catch him with something big because he literally walks forward in a straight line and his head is there to be hit, his chin is there to be hit. And that is the, the range in which Emmett thrives. Emmett loves to sit down very hard on his shots, plant his feet and let his hands go in that position. If you go back and watch the fight against Jeremy Stevens, he actually knocked Jeremy Stevens down and almost KO'd him uh, in round one from a similar range where Stevens was coming forward in a straight line looking to tie Emmett up or pressure him or something like that. And, uh, and Emmett literally sat down on his shot, uncorked the right hand, dropped Stevens, while at the same time, you know, in the blink of an eye, circling out of danger to his left. So I do think that there is a very high probability, oh, I say very high probability, um, you know, very high probability would indicate 80 to 90%. I don't mean that. What I'm saying is there's a pretty good chance that when Bechtick's coming forward on his takedown entries, because he doesn't defend himself very well and because he uses reckless hooks to set that up, there's a very, very strong chance Emmett catches him with something very big coming in. And because of that, uh, because the fact that Emmett's one of these compact, explosive, short, stocky, trademark, stereotypical Team Alpha male guys that's going to be difficult to tie up because they're athletic enough to explode out of these positions and they've got the, the wingspan, the body type, the wrestling that makes it very hard to tie them up and take them down and hold them down. For these reasons... I was strongly contemplating a bet on Josh Emmett on this fight because he is a decent-sized underdog. If we look at his odds at the moment, currently around about an average of 2.40, which is plus 140 for an implied probability of 42%. You know, the, the, there's, the, those odds are attractive. And I was definitely thinking about betting Emmett because I did feel Bechtick would find it difficult to take him down and hold him down. And I do think standing, even though it's likely to be relatively close because Emmett's not a high volume striker Bechtick could potentially outwork him and outpoint him the risk standing is much greater for Bechtick than it is for Emmett because Bechtick's striking defense isn't great and he's quite reckless whereas Emmett's a little bit difficult a little little bit harder to hit his footwork's very good um you know striking defense much better however before I lock in a bet, you know, remember, I always like to put my money in, on, in strong positions and I get a lot of criticism uh, from people because I don't place that many bets. I'm sure I'm going to get uh, a bunch of people in the comments complaining about, you know, the fact that uh, I'm not giving out picks or giving out bets very often. That is because I only like to get my money into strong positions because at the end of the day, 
picks and bets don't pay the bills at the end of the month money does and in order to make money in gambling you have to consistently get your money in strong positions so before i pull the trigger on a fighter and bet them i like to be absolutely sure that my money is in a strong position that's why i get a little bit frustrated with people that criticize my bets because i would not be placing a bet i would not be recommending a bet unless i was absolutely sure it was a solid bet so um, you know even though my bets don't always win i can assure you they're almost always uh, a, a very strong bet so before locking in a bet on Emmett I kind of wanted to be absolutely sure uh, he would be a good bet so I went back and watched his fights from a little further back in his career which I wouldn't typically do usually I only watch the last three or four fight, uh, fights from, from, from a fighter because obviously fighters are continually imp improving if you go any further back than that you know we, you could be judging a fighter based on skills, weaknesses, strengths that aren't relevant anymore but for this particular bet I did go all the way back uh, and watch uh, Emmett's fight against Scott Holtzman back in December 2016 and and I'm sure that Emmett has improved a hell of a lot since then. You know, this was only his second fight in the UFC. But there were a lot of red flags in this fight. Because Scott Holtzman's not a particularly strong wrestler. In fact, he's primarily a kickboxer. And yet he was able to take uh, Emmett down quite easily. And also able to hold him down. And what I also noticed that after, you know, just one round of grappling with Holtzman, Emmett did slow down a lot. He gassed quite bad. So... That was a definite red flag for me and enough for me to 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 pass on Emmett simply because he definitely didn't look the same against Michael Johnson. Absolutely didn't look the same. Um, you know, I have a feeling that, that this knockout might have uh, might have changed Emmett forever just because of how gun shy he looked against Michael Johnson. And at the same time, you know, if a guy like Scott Holtzman can take Emmett down and control him on the ground. It's a very high probability that Bechtick can do the same because Bechtick's a much stronger wrestler. I know Scott Holtzman is a is a lightweight, and I know this fight's contested at featherweight, but still, Bechtick is a very, very high-level grappler. So, you know, when it comes to making money in this game, I'm only looking to put my money in strong positions. And for all the things that I've just mentioned, I don't personally feel like there is a strong position on this fight. I wouldn't bet Emmett because, you know, he has shown that if in the past he has shown that if you do tie him up and take him down or make him work for takedowns, uh, he does tend to slow down quite fast. Now, he might not be like that anymore. He might have improved a hell of a lot since the Holtzman fight. But until we see it different, we have to assume that's still the case. So Emmett's not a safe bet and Bechtick's also not a very good bet because obviously he is a favourite and like I've described his striking defense isn't great in his takedown entries. He's very reckless, so he is wide open to being KO'd. So for those reasons, I do recommend passing on this fight. I hope you respect it. Uh, I'm sure there are going to be some dummies in the comments that will criticize me and tell me that uh, they are super confident in uh, in one guy or the other for whatever reason they make up but do not uh, do not trust anyone that feels confident on either guy in that fight because it's a complicated fight that could go either way having said that you know do you really want to be betting on a fighter like Emmett um you know even though he's a slight underdog when it was clear that he wasn't the same guy in the MJ fight and you know Holtzman caused him a lot of problems. It's up to you, man. It's up to you. It's not personally for me. It's up for you to make that decision. 
So then the next fight that I want to talk about is going to be Cesar Ferreira against Marvin Vittori. So another complicated fight. Uh, you know, I'm always on the hunt for strong positions. And again, right off, off, off the bat, I don't think there is a strong position on this fight. You know, if we look at the current odds, we have got... Uh, let's take a look. Where are we? Cesar Ferreira is currently around about a 2.30 uh, underdog, which is plus 130 for an implied probability of 43%. Then we've got Marvin Vittori at around about 1.70, which is minus 143 for an implied probability of 59% so roughly a 60-40 fight in favour of Vittori in the bookies eyes um, and I mean from a technical point of view Cesar Ferreira is better than Marvin Vittori everywhere you know he's a very strong wrestler a higher level MMA grappler and technically speaking a much higher level striker as well the problem with Cesar Ferreira is that he always tends to struggle if he can't take his opponents down and hold them down. He's got very, very good offensive wrestling. Ferreira is one of those guys that started off as a BJJ guy, but he's actually developed very strong wrestling. And if he can get you down, put you on your back, he's very heavy from top position. And that's interesting because Marvin Vittori has excellent takedown defense, but if you can put him on his back, he is very weak off his back. So I think if Ferreira can get him down, he... Uh, he should have quite a lot of top control. The, the problem with this fight is that Ian Heinish has very, 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 very bad takedown defense. Now, Heinish is one of these very bad fighters that a lot of people are high on. But trust me, Heinish has very bad takedown defense. And he didn't really make Ferreira work that hard at all for takedowns in Ferreira's last fight. And yet Ferreira still slowed down quite a lot in the third round. Vittori's takedown defense is excellent and I do feel he will make Ferreira work very very hard for takedowns so if Ferreira slowed down a lot in the third round when not really being forced to work that hard for many takedowns against Heinish it's very possible that Ferreira could gas himself out hunting for takedowns against Vittori and, and not really achieving a lot because Vittori is so difficult to take down. It's also worth noting that Vittori is training at King's MMA with some of the best fighters in the world. He is a very decent level on the ground and, and he's getting better from fight to fight. You know, he's only 25 years old. Um, he hasn't fought in a year. So, you know, the space at which a, a guy like this can improve in that space of time is immeasurable. I mean, recently we saw how good Randy Brown looked against Brian Barbarina after being out for a year. So even though I would say Ferreira is better than Vittori everywhere from a technical point of view, that is based on their past fights today. And with a year of improvement under Rafael Cordero and a King's MMA training with some of the best fighters in the world, Vittori could look a hell of a lot better uh, on Saturday night. And like I say, Ferreira always struggles when he can't take his opponents down. And I do think it will be difficult for him to take Vittori down. Now, it is also worth noting that Ferreira is a little bit chinny, really doesn't take much to, uh, to hurt him standing at all. And while Vittori isn't very dangerous standing, he is a hustler. He is very aggressive. He likes to come forward. He's got a good chin and he will be in your face. And Ferreira doesn't like to be pressured. You know, Vittori does throw a higher volume of strikes per round. He's just a hustler. He's one of these guys who's not particularly great at anything, but he's reasonably good at everything. And, uh, and that's what makes this such a close fight because... On one hand, you've got Ferreira, who's technically better than Vittori everywhere. He has the skills to beat Vittori everywhere.
it. But on the other hand, you've got a young, tough, hungry, young lion um, that is going to be making big improvements and that is skilled enough and tough enough to make this a close fight in all areas. So, you know, it's a 60-40 fight in the eyes of the bookies in favour of Vittori. Um, you know, it's no surprise really that the odds are quite accurate on this fight. I mean, betting sites are multinational, multi-billion dollar companies. It is their job to force you into making bad betting decisions. And I can assure you that if you bet on either of these guys this weekend, um, it's not a strong position to put your money. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually stop calling bets bad bets. Uh, I'm just gonna start saying, you know, if I see a strong position or not. And what I would say is. You know, if you bet on Ferreira and he wins, or if you bet on Vittori and he wins, uh, congratulations to you. Um, you know, I'm happy you won a bet, but it's not you're not putting your money in a very strong position, um, and uh, and it's not the type of bet I would recommend. So again, sorry to be boring, uh, but I'm only interested in strong positions, and on this particular fight, I just don't think either guy is a strong position. It's a complicated fight that could go either way. So the final fight that I want to talk about in today's video is Uriah Faber against Ricky Simone. So I am very, very high on Ricky Simone. Uh, I think he's absolutely excellent. And before researching this fight, uh, I really felt that this would be one of those matchups where Simone would have the edge everywhere. And Simone would be a very solid fighter to put into a parlay or an accumulator. But after researching the fight... Um, I, I have changed my mind, not to the extent that I don't think Simone will win, because I do, but to the point where I just don't think he's worth a bet anymore. Because if we look at the odds, it's currently around about, call it an average of 1.30, which is minus, one, uh, minus 333 for an implied probability of 77%. So to, give him any, to get any value in betting on Simone, if you add him to a parlay or an accumulator, or if you were to bet him straight, You'd have to give him an 82% or better chance of winning, which is always difficult to do in MMA. And, you know, this is one of those fights where really the story is set for an upset. Um, Uriah Faber is fighting in Sacramento, his hometown. Um, you know, he's a popular hometown fighter, 40-year-old veteran. You know, he's going to have the judges on his side. He's going to have the crowd on his side. And this is one of those fights where home advantage could be absolutely huge. This this is one of those fights where in order for Ricky Simone to win comfortably, he is going to have to ensure that he puts his stamp on two out of the three rounds and absolutely puts his stamp on it. Because if the rounds are anywhere near close, there's a chance the judges could be influenced by the crowd and go with favour. And that's what's interesting about this fight because while I do think Ricky Simone... Uh, edges favor everywhere i do think he outstrikes him what i would say is that simone doesn't really have the skills to put his stamp on rounds as it stands today because if we're being realistic what are the easiest ways to put your stamp on a round well you know you can take your opponent down and control them that's very unlikely because even at 40 years old uriah faber is going to be difficult to take down and hold down and simone's not the best offensive wrestler he's okay he's not the best and remember with simone's body type at five foot six the 70 inch reach that's the exact type of guy that trains at team alpha male you know the exact type of guy that faber's been training with and rolling with every day for the last 20 years so i don't think from a grappling point of view simone's going to cause faber too much of a problem also standing simone's quite scrappy not that technical 
And while I do think he outlands Faber because Faber is not particularly effective with his striking, he doesn't really land that much at all. I'm not sure if it's going to be a wide enough margin to absolutely put his stamp on the round. So whenever I bet a big favourite, I'm not asking myself the question of whether or not I think they can win. I'm asking my, myself the question of not of whether or not they can dominate. Because MMA is a crazy sport. You can never trust the judges. And if you ever bet a big favourite, they should blow their opponent out the water and win beyond all reasonable doubt. And hand on heart, I can't can't feel that confident in Ricky Simone just because I don't feel like he has a huge advantage anywhere. And for a fighter to command these type of odds, they really should have a big advantage everywhere because what we're basically saying is with an implied probability of 78%, he has almost no way to lose. And I don't feel that way. But... Just to cover off the Uriah Faber side of the coin, um, it is very unlikely that uh, that that it, it, that he wins simply because everything that I've just said is based on Faber's past fights. Uh, you know, if Faber shows up and performs like he did against Brad Pickett back in 2016, uh, I do think this this fight will be relatively competitive. Simone probably edges him, but it'll probably be competitive. But let's be real. Faber's now 40 years old. This fight took place two and a half years ago. It's unlikely Faber's going to look as good as he did against Brad Pickett back in 2016. You know, at 40 years old, there aren't many fighters in the UFC competing at the highest level at 40 years old for a reason. Father time catches up with everyone, and he's probably going to have declined quite a bit since the Pickett fight. Also, we've got a question Uriah Faber's motivation. I mean, he's got a lot of business interests, he's got his own gym, he's got a new kid. Uh, why come back and fight you know he said this because you know if you go and watch this fight i can't actually play it in the video because uh, ufc are very very strict on their copyright rules so if i were to play a clip from this video this video would be flagged for copyright but if you go to the ufc youtube channel and watch this video uh that that, that uriah faber did for the ufc it's only a four minute interview i recommend checking it out but it, it helps you gain some kind of impression as to where Faber's headspace is at at the moment. There is another video for you to watch. Uh, if you watch this one from a couple of months ago, this is another good video to watch uh, with Dan Hardy. And in this video, Uriah Faber says that he is coming back to fight in the UFC because he's still motivated to fight. He's still hungry. He's still competitive with guys in the gym and he wants to, to, to go for another title run. So that's all well and good. But he does, I guess, kind of slip up uh, in this video on the UFC's uh, YouTube channel because there's a moment in the video where he says he's got all these ideas uh, uh, of new businesses to set up and he's basically trying to raise funds for one or two of these projects. And he thought, you know, why is he going around trying to raise money from different people to invest in these projects where he could just take a couple fights and raise the money himself because he says that he's got four fights left on his contract. So that was a bit of a red flag for me because in the Dan Hardy video he's saying you know he wants to come back and fight because um, because he, he's still hungry and he wants to put together a title run. And even though he's kind of saying those things in the UFC video as well, he did kind of let slip that he needs to raise money for some business interests and business projects he wants to launch and fighting might be the easiest way to do it and i guess that was a bit of a red flag he kind of slipped up there because you know i don't know how much favors getting paid but imagine if you've got four fights in the ufc 
and I don't know, maybe he's on a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars to show. If he were to lose those four fights and it, say he's getting paid two hundred thousand dollars to show, I'm sure he's paid. He he's one of the higher paid fighters in the UFC. You know, that's eight hundred thousand dollars. You know, you can do a lot with that kind of money. And obviously, you don't have to give up equity in your business if you're trying to raise funds from external parties. So that was a bit of a red flag for me. So this is one of those fights where we've got a heavy favourite. Um, you know, no value there, really. Faber can definitely make it close. And with home advantage, that's a risk in itself. You know, I'm not saying Faber will win. I'm just saying that there's no value on Simone. So it's an easy pass for me, guys. Again, sorry to be boring. But I'm looking for strong positions. Like I say, uh, bets and picks, unfortunately, don't pay the bills. Um, being the smartest guy in the bar uh, doesn't pay the bills. And also being capped in hindsight, uh, being a genius uh, when you uh, place a bad bet and it wins, doesn't help pay the bills either. Only putting your money in strong positions and consistently making money long-term pays the bills. That's the game I'm involved in. And unfortunately, haven't found any strong positions yet. But I will keep grinding, keep working, keep researching. And fingers crossed I'll find something soon. So thank you for watching today's video. I'll be back tomorrow with part three. Let me know in the comments which uh, which fight you want me to cover in part three. Uh, I covered the Ferreira versus Vittori fight specifically because someone left a comment uh, wanting me to do it. So there it is that for you. Please uh, like the video. Please also subscribe. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care and love you all. Too many thoughts on my mind. I can't sleep at night, so I just keep writing. I don't need no help. I don't need opinions, so don't waste my time then. I just been living online. My city don't show me no love, and that's fine. Fuck local radio stations. I got more plays than all of these rappers combined. I'm going, I'm going again. I've been going in. I'm fed up with so many things. I gotta just let it all out. I'm talking about the shit they've been talking about.